Welcome back to Pedagogy Non Grata. This episode is going to be about the start of a new school year. You know, I think as teachers we get inundated with so many different pedagogies. And I really think that that's the main goal of this podcast is just to empower teachers to sort of find the teaching interventions that will give them the biggest bang for the least amount of effort. I had someone criticize me about that in the the not-so-distant past um, because they felt like teachers should always be trying to do what's best no matter how much effort is required. But I don't think that's realistic. I think there are hundreds of pedagogies out there, and there's lots of great pedagogical ideas, and I just don't think you have the time as the individual teacher to implement all of them. Now, my podcast here has had over 90 episodes now, and we've interviewed um, over a dozen experts in the field, um, some of them multiple times, and I think they all have great advice for you as a teacher. And I don't even always agree with every person we have on this podcast all the time, but I think every one of them is very intelligent and generally speaking, has great ideas for how to improve yourself as a teacher. But I think if you're, especially if you're a newer teacher and you're thinking about how to best improve your practice for this coming year, I think you're best picking one or two strategies to implement at a time. And once you feel like you really have those, then I think it's time to try another one. But I think it's best to master one strategy at a time. So I'm going to give a couple that I think are useful to you as a teacher and um, explain why. So my number one suggestion for teachers is to actually just record data. I know that's a boring thing. It's a boring idea. But I think if, if the only way you can really be accountable to your students is if you know whether or not they're learning. Once you know if your students are learning, you can use that data to become a little scientist of your own in your classroom. You can track your students' learning progress, and you can get a better idea of what's working and what's not, and how to improve for your individual students. So to do that personally, I record the learning goals I want my students to learn. I, I do this for the entire year, but you could just do this one unit at a time. And then do formative assessments once a week, and then record which students um, have learned the learning goals that you want them to each week and which ones have not. Um, and then focus on finding ways to help the students um, who have not mastered that curriculum yet. And then try to um, make sure you're still challenging the students who have already mastered that instead of making them do the same thing all the time. And I think that comes down to individualized curriculum. In fact, when I did the 2021 PNG list, I did a meta-analysis of all the teaching factors we've looked at on this podcast. And individualized curriculum is the highest one and has an effect size of over two, uh, meaning it is technically considered a super effect size, which every time I say that word, I think I make a comment about how what a hilarious term it is, but it is a hilarious term. Anyways, that being said, um, individualizing your curriculum and recording data are my number one tips. But even if you don't want to individualize the curriculum yet, because that seems daunting, just record how much your students are learning. Keep yourself accountable. Be objective. Know what your students are learning. To me, that's the most important thing. Another one that I think is really good to keep in mind is teacher estimates of achievement. Um, this just refers to believing in our students. The idea that we believe in our students has been shown to be one of the absolute highest effect size 
um, teaching strategies. And researchers looked at this just with a simple question of, do you believe all of your students are capable of higher learning? If you say yes to that question, your students are more likely to succeed um, than if you say no. And I'm sure that that's challenging to say because you will have students with behavioral issues, with learning disabilities, with different levels of preparedness. But if you believe in all of them, I think then you become accountable to all of them. And you don't allow yourself to ever fall into the trap of thinking, this student can't learn. And I think if we think a student can't learn, they won't. So I'm a really big believer in high expectations for students. That means challenging them appropriately and making sure that when they fail, we don't dismiss that failure as being not on, our, not on us, but actually finding ways to help a student succeed. Um, and I'm sure that might actually upset some listeners um, because we don't want to think of ourselves as responsible for our student learning. But at the end of the day, the research on teaching is very clear that the home lives of our students is actually less important than how we teach as teachers in regards to student success. And I, I bet you most people wouldn't believe that, but we have a plethora of data showing that, um, that the most impactful things for students is not their home lives, it's not how much money their parents make, it's not um, their cultural or racial background, it's the teaching strategies you use in the classroom. And that can be daunting because it can mean that we're responsible, but I think it also can be empowering because it means that we can help all of our students succeed to high levels. The next one I'm going to talk about is just the use of heuristics for math. This sounds really complicated, but it's really simple. When you teach math, um, there's a lot of research showing that if you teach the students multiple ways to or multiple procedures for solving a math problem, that learning um, really increases in the classroom. Uh, I had an interview with Dr. John Starr um, from Harvard University on this topic, and he said that he recommended using two strategies per procedure. So rather than teaching one, um, just teach two. And I think this is a little bit in opposition to number talks, where number talks would try and um, get you to teach multiple, multiple um, procedures or let the students come up with their own procedures. I don't think that per se is supported by the research. Um, and the last one I'm going to talk about is actually just um, self-reported grades. Self-reported grades uh, sounds like a silly thing, but it's not so much that you're going by the grades that the students are uh, giving themselves. It's that you explain to the kids the marking criteria and you allow them to mark themselves um, so that they can look at that marking criteria and understand the mark they get. I think there's this myth that our students um, sometimes fail because they don't want to be, they don't care if they succeed. And I'm sure there's elements of that. But I think on some level, all kids want to succeed, even the ones who are really struggling. And the more transparent we make the learning process for them, the more clear we make our expectations, the more obvious that we make what we're looking from them, the more likely it is that they are going to succeed. I remember being in school, and I remember thinking that I had no real idea why I got the marks I did. It felt like a very subjective process. And I think that's the mystification or mis... I'm not sure how to say that, but you get my point. We're trying to... We're, I want to demystify the whole education process for my students. I want to make it very transparent and clear so that my students become in charge of their own academic destiny. And 
I sort of talk this way with behavior too. When I have a student struggling with behavior, I tell them, okay, everything is choices. And if you make this positive choice, this is what we're going to do. And if you make this negative choice, this is what we're going to do. And then I consistently follow through with that. <clears throat> but I don't call it a punishment. I just call it a result of their choice. And I make them perfectly aware beforehand what's going to happen if they make a negative choice. Then the onus becomes on the student. You're giving them the power to decide for themselves what's going to happen. Um, and I, I'd like to see the same thing in academia. So I'm going to leave it for there. If you're um, a teacher listening to this podcast, I'd love it if you think about those strategies and think about considering maybe using one. I know I talked about this last year, and I probably recommended the same strategies last year, but I don't think that much in education has changed in the last year. So I wish you all um, the best of luck with your new school projects, and I'll see you next week. Bye for now.